Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and I'm not being joined by Ben Gulker today. I am being joined by senior staff writer at The Ringer, formerly of Bleacher Report, New York Times best-selling author, Mirren Fader. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing better now that I get to talk to you about your, the feature you wrote for The Ringer about this year's Detroit Pistons. So how long were you in Detroit? Um, I was in Detroit for three days. Yeah, three days. Did you like it? I actually really liked it. It's nice to um, it's nice to get away, you know. Mm-hmm. I think during the pandemic, obviously we were all cooped up, and it it feels good to like be getting back to being on the road again, and you know, and a lot of the Pistons beat writers are so nice. It was just fun to like be around people too, and just hang out with some people as well. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I've met with a bunch of the Pistons beat writers myself, being from there. Um, did they take you out? Did you did we get you some Verners? Did we get you some Fago? Did we get you some Coney? Like, did we get you some local delicacies so you knew what was up? I mean, we definitely, I definitely hung out with a lot of people and it was really fun. I don't know how, you know, authentic the experience was because I just had such limited time and it was more proximity to where I was staying in downtown. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I'm such a fan of a lot of the people that you know, right in Detroit, it was just fun for me to like meet them face to face and like ask them questions. And yeah, it was really fun. No, I mean, like, that's really cool. And I'm glad you got a chance to like actually stay downtown in the city, right? right? Like that is, that is a big thing that's kind of woven into the history of this team. And like, just like you're exploring the, the city, like, so are these Pistons. You've, right. You detailed in the feature about how they're trying to be part of the fabric of the community. And, you know, like, when you ask guys all the time to say like, Oh yeah, like we love the city. We feel the love from the city. Did you, did you get that sense? Did you get the sense that like when you were just inhabiting the city, that the the city was uh, a fan of the Pistons? Did you get that sense? Yeah. I mean, I think that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to make sure that I went there to try to like feel that out and like try to understand, you know, what is this relationship like right now? Right. Because it has decades old history, but I did, feel that connection. You know, I did feel like, and and not to say it's, it's completely there, but that it's building. Like I think uh, one of the people I interviewed in the story was a longtime usher for the Pistons. And she said, um, the enthusiasm is bubbling like slowly, but it's bubbling. And I feel like that was like the perfect way to put it. Right. It's like people are excited, but it's not over the top and it's not unrealistic. It's sort of like in process. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's been really interesting to me because uh, as a former Detroiter, I don't live in Detroit anymore. Um, football has always been king. The Lions have always been king. And so no matter, and you know, the Lions have infamously been awful for basically their entire existence. Uh, and the Pistons have been removed from the city proper, right? They played in Auburn Hills for such a long yeah. time to, to finally get them back downtown and to have the team like headed in the right direction. I think is a really important piece of like what uh, you're trying to get to when you're trying to build, like when you're trying to bubble that excitement about the team. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's why I really wanted the piece to have that element of geography in there. Like, it's not just like, okay, look at, look at Ivy. He's going to be so great. Or like, look at, you know, the potential of this team or even something like, look at what they, their weaknesses they need to work on. Like there's the bigger story here, And I was just so fascinated that 
the front office was also so committed to that story as well about like, okay, well, what's our connection with the city? You know, has it always been this relationship of like, when you play for the Pistons, it's not just about you know, playing for Detroit. It's about understanding you're part of the civic identity of the city and what does the city mean? So I just think it was impossible to not treat setting and city like a character. Like I, mm. I had to like explore what that meant in order to understand what the true potential of this young team is. Yeah. Why, why this, why this particular young team, right? Like there are other interesting young teams in the NBA it's like you are a pretty famous writer at this point in time. You could have gone. No, don't hide. You could have gone anywhere you wanted to in the NBA. Like why? Why? Why Detroit? Why the Pistons? Well, it's funny how this story happened. So like last season at the end of well, not at the end, like around, I guess. So basketball, March Madness, you know, I was thinking of doing um, a Cade profile and I was really intrigued by Cade. I felt like you know, I just, there's so much potential in Cade and I hadn't really seen much about him, like a standalone feature. Um, and I talked with the Pistons about it and just the timing didn't work out. It was a pretty disappointing end to the season and, you know, Mobley got rookie of the year and, and all this stuff. And so I just, I was kind of just like, uh, like, I don't know if the timing is right on this. And so we, we kept in touch throughout the summer, uh, me with the Pistons. And then as, you know, they drafted Ivy and, and, you know, Jalen, I was just like, hmm, like that, that really changes things, you know, like that, that the draft and and what Troy Weaver is doing is really interesting. And um, as you know, like I usually profile one person. So I don't usually profile like a team or try to capture the mood of a team. But the more my editor and I talked about it, he you know, really suggested like, what about this young core? Because it's not just Kate, it's Ivy now, it's Stewart, it's, it's, it's Sadiq, it's all these people. And like, people are actually excited to watch basketball in Detroit again. Like, why don't you go and try to capture why that is and what that feels like? Because there's something really interesting about a team in process before it blooms. And so we thought maybe you should do a group feature. And so that's how it kind of, um, it kind of morphed from a standalone to a group feature. But I feel like, for example, like I know people are going to cover the Cavs. I know that story is going to be done. Like, how can I do something different? And I think once I started thinking about city and what Detroit means, I, I just, I was super into it. And I was like, well, I, I really want to find out what that's about and what that's like. No, that's, that's really cool. I mean, I'm sure you would have done a great job covering the Cavs. Uh, as well so like don't don't do that but uh but like that is that is really interesting because i was also wondering that like the classic thing to do would to do would be to do a cade feature right and like you were uh it's like i actually was just i was just gonna ask you like you've you've profiled evan mobley right you've profiled yeah. Jalen green as a much younger version of himself than he is right now but still you wrote a, a, whole, a whole profile on him so like you've seen all three of those guys like kind of close up what what stood out to you about the the differences between those three guys? I feel like, you know, and and this is why I think doing a group profile was really interesting for me because it was almost like mini profiles of each of the guys throughout. Like you learned a lot about Cade in this profile and where his mind is at. And you learned a lot about Ivy and, and Stuart, pretty much all of them. And I think with Cade, I, I learned that this is a person that knows he's not a finished product and I really respected how authentic he is and how introspective he is and how he is fully aware that like he has 
he has to take leaps, not just as a player, but as a leader. And I thought it was really interesting for him to talk about how hard that is to do when you're also young and trying to figure it out. And I thought he was really honest about that. And, you know, I asked um, Troy Weaver, like what each of the players on this team has to prove, because there is a collective sense that every single one of them feels that way. And for Cade, he said he wants to prove that he can be a great player and he can lead a great team. And I think that, you know, that's no small feat, right? And so I just think that Cade's trajectory is going to be really, really interesting. And it might take more time, but I think he has the potential to do it. And so I just thought it was really refreshing to talk to someone who, you know, it's not clear when it will happen, but that there's so much potential brewing there versus like, you know, Evan Mobley, like when I profiled him, even though he was heading into the NBA, it was clear from so many people that work within the NBA that like he was going to explode immediately. Like that was what was going to happen. And I think you saw with Cade's slow start, it took a little bit of time. And perhaps that's because, you know, the point guard is the hardest position. It's really, really hard to do what he does. And um, so, you know, and I think Evan's going to be covered like, so much over the next couple of years, like understandably so. Like, not only is he a fantastic player, but he's just such a um, humble person. Um, but I think Cade, Cade's task and his journey is not just about himself; it's about leading all of these other people, and that's what I think makes him really interesting. Hmm. Okay. I I've always been struck by Cade's maturity. Yeah, right. Uh, like not not to psychoanalyze, but like. I am a recent father. And so I think about like how in the ways in which like fatherhood changes you and it's like, and especially in early fatherhood, like changes you. And so I'm not necessarily like shocked by that. But at the same time, I do kind of wonder if he would be taking a backseat on this team if there were more like veteran leaders, mm-hmm. right? Like they, tra- they traded away Jeremy Grant to make, uh, to kind of clear the way as and leave no doubt as like who the future of this team was going to be led by. Mm-hmm. And so that, that kind of, it's like a gentle shove, but you're still kind of shoving him in into the pole position of the team. Um, did he talk at all of, about feeling that pressure about uh, being uh, about feeling like he had to be the face of something that he wasn't like quite ready to be? Or was did he seem up to the challenge? Definitely up to the challenge. Like I yeah. didn't get anything of the sort where it was like, oh, I'm kind of thrust into this position and there's a lot of pressure on that. And that's kind of the where I found myself. It was more like, I want to be this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I liked. It was like, yeah, I need to become a better leader. I, I'm working on my communication. And I like how he studies the way that somebody like, you know, Corey Joseph is only 31, you know, does these little things like compliment you know, Isaiah Stewart on his three-point shooting and how that is a thing that can lift someone's spirits. Like, I I just think maturity, maturity is a great thing. If you have it, that's wonderful, but it can always be improved upon. And I think he will become even more mature, obviously, as the year goes on. And um, he wants that responsibility. Like, he wants to be the face and the leader of this team. Um, He knows it's, it's a cherished thing. And that's what I really sensed is that he's so aware of the great ones that came before him. He knows it's, it's, it's such a blessing to like be asked upon to like do something like that. Yeah. Soft skills, soft skills instead of just like on court stuff. Because it like, you know, you can always like, if you practice, you know, I don't know, like a certain kind of dribble pull up a hundred million times, like you're going to get better at it. Right. But like Mm -hmm. when practicing leadership comes from, 
we're in a 14 game losing streak and this is hard. Am I going to speak up even though I committed a lot of turnovers this game? Do I feel like I can do that? It's those moments of growth where I feel like he was really reflective in the piece and I appreciated it. No, absolutely. So when you, I don't know if you sit down or you stand up or like how you do all these interviews. So Jaden Ivey, you're speaking to Jaden Ivey and he goes, Detroit's won three rings and we want to make that nine. Like how, how big do your eyebrows go? Like, like when you what? hear that? Well, I was just thinking like, like why nine? Like what, you know, I just didn't, it's funny because the interview, he's very soft-spoken. So we were sitting mm-hmm. down and he's like sipping a smoothie and like nice as could be. And like, you know, just, we were talking about team stuff too. And I think that helps like a lot of players, they just straight up, reporters just ask them like so what do you want to be and what do you want to do and what do you you know and he's trying to learn a new system fit in so I think you know I hope he appreciated that you know my questions were very team centric um and then I I just sort of was trying to explain how like everybody feels that this whatever you guys are building and we don't know what that will look like it is based on the past and he really connected with that And Mm -hmm. that's when he brought that up because I would never ask like, so do you want to win a championship? Because it's like, of course you do. Everybody wants to win, you know? And so I didn't, I don't even know what I asked to prompt that response. I think, oh, I think it was about how he was like, I've never won anything because I, I asked and I was, I said how I was explaining how, you know, Troy Weaver said that every single person on the team has something to prove. And I want to know what do you feel that you have to prove, right? Because I think with Ivy, we don't really know his story. Like the part about his mom is like very overcovered. Like we've seen that a million times. We know he has this family history within Detroit. Like that's been covered. We know he's such a great player, so fast, all this stuff. But like, do I really get what drives Ivy? Do I really get what makes him tick? Do I really know his inner fire and story? I don't. So I asked him that and he was talking about really wanting to win and how he's never won before. And he was going through all his career. And then he brought it back to the the history of this organization and how that motivates him. And then he said his comment about how many he wants to win. And, um, you know, I thought it was important to put that in the piece because you're not saying you're not. The point of this piece is not to be like Detroit Pistons, crown them champs now. Mm-hmm. here's the up and coming team. They're about to do it. It was like, they want to be really, really good. They make a lot of mistakes. There's something super exciting here. Don't know when it's going to bloom, but look what's happening. And so I just thought it was very interesting to see where his mind is at, because I think, and I know I'm going on and on, but with young people, <laughs> with young people, you know, there's this ten- tendency to think that they are very in the moment or they're very flippant about their actions or they don't respect history or they don't study those that came before. You know, I just saw a clip of um, Patrick Ewing's players talking about the at Georgetown talking about the Knicks and just who are they, you know? And so, but this group, they're young and they love history and they love thinking about it. So I actually thought that Ivy's comment spoke to that, not empty dreaming or mm-hmm. ridiculous, you know, goals. I I actually thought it was quite refreshing to like be so ambitious and to want to restore something to that degree. Yeah. I I did think it was really interesting the like the juxtaposition of like hey, like I have not been a winner uh you know, like I have not necessarily won, 
but I think I can be a winner. Mm-hmm. And I think I can be a winner like at this extreme level, right? Like six rings is a lot of rings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, the way you had it in the feature, uh, which is the only way I can choose to interpret it, did not make it seem like he was being cocky. Exactly. Right? Like, it'd be really easy for a 21-year-old to be like, hey, I want to come in and win six rings and be like Michael Jordan. And like for that to be how it's interpreted, I'm exactly. thinking of I'm thinking of Anthony Edwards, right? Like that is absolutely something Anthony <laughs> Edwards would like do or yeah. say. Yeah. I like him a lot, but like, y- yeah. But that like that did not seem to be what Jaden Ivey was like trying to convey like in that moment. Exactly. And I'm so glad that you picked that up. And um, I did see it get aggregated. And I was like, oh, Lord, because you know how they they just take it out of context, you know, but um, I I think what it shows is like, and that's why I had that line after as lofty as that seems, he's, he's dead serious. And I think because sometimes, you know, in sports media, we see a lot of quotes from players like, I want to win. And of course, I want to win. And it it almost loses its value. It's just like when people say I'm the best or he's the best or he's great. It, it, these words have lost their weight. And I think when people say, I want to win, it it almost becomes cliche. But when you talk about somebody who has not won, it's a hunger to win, not an empty desire to win. Like it's not like just a flippant comment, like we want to be the best. It's just like, no, like I've never won. And that's a problem. Like I really want to change that about my career and my life. And I actually found that to be so introspective and so humble. And so, um, and that that's the word that I kept thinking of, honestly, when I did this piece. All these guys are very introspective. They're very mm-hmm. humble, but they want so much out of this experience. And I loved the, the hungry versus humble. You know, it's like, yeah, we haven't done anything yet and we want to do so much. And we could be so good. God, we have to limit our turnovers. Like there's there's this like there's this honesty here. And I thought that was really important because you never want to go in and write a piece that hypes a team that hasn't done anything. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you want to be honest about where they are, but you also want to be honest about the special mentality that's brewing here too. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you this later, but I want to ask it to you now. We are, we're talking about the team as a whole, being hungry, being young, being humble, do you think they're missing like that edge? Do you think they're missing um, a J.R. Smith type? Uh, do you think they're missing that that guy who's uh, more cocky than humble that would give them like that edge of cockiness in certain elements? Or I don't know. Does that does that not factor in at all? It's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. For sure, they could use an older guy like that to give them that edge definitely don't doubt that at all. I mean, I think that would help tremendously, but sometimes it's almost better to not have that because you don't know what you don't know. So you Mm -hmm. just play really, really hard and it kind of helps to be inexperienced in that way because you like, you just don't know what you don't know. And sometimes, (laughs) sometimes just trying to prove so hard and try so hard, like it can have good results too. Mm-hmm. So this is what they've got and they know that and they have to figure out how to make it work. And sometimes that cockiness and that edge comes from showing what you can do and gaining confidence. They just haven't done it yet to, to have earned that edge. You know, like I think it will come naturally. That's why I use the, the word um, personality in the piece. They haven't found their identity or personality. Like a team's personality takes 
months to develop. And mm-hmm. maybe they will have that edge if we were to talk in February. I, I don't know. It comes from like being in tough situations and seeing what you're made out of. So I just think the the verdict isn't out yet. Definitely. It's people aren't finished products at 23 and under either. Right. Right. And so you, I, there is definitely an element of like once, if they start figuring it out on court, we can start to see a little bit of how that plays into their off court dynamics. Exactly. But like, at, but like, as you've mentioned multiple times, like we're still trying to figure out like exactly what this team is going to end up being. Right. But I, I mean, and this is another thing of being in a place and seeing it. I was just really struck how much they like each other. Like mm-hmm. I cover a lot of college basketball and it felt like a college team. Like it felt really pure. <laughs> I don't know. They just, like, <laughs> they just like each other. They hang out a lot. They, they're just, I don't know what to say. Like they're just, they're men obviously, but they're, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, they're just, but they're bros. They're bro. They're just young men. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, sometimes you can feel in the locker room when like guys really don't like each other or when guys are just like, it's like three of them like each other and the rest are like, you do you like, I live my life. I have a wife and kids. They're all just so young that you can tell that they like actually hang. They all Mm -hmm. live downtown. They like each other. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think that thing, that stuff really matters because sometimes, you know, after the game ends, some guys like really don't care. Like what's the, what's the Bob Ryan line? 12 guys, 12 cabs. Yeah. 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 And I think like, I've seen that. I've seen that before. I know what that looks like. And it was really refreshing, honestly, to be around people that they were always joking with each other. They were always just, I don't know. It was just, that's what I mean by like, I enjoyed my trip. It was just like being around positive people, you know, and they Mm -hmm. were all, excited to talk about this because it was a story about them like as a team it wasn't a Cade profile it wasn't an ivy profile each one of them is important to accomplishing whatever this is and i think they they know that yeah i i like many people have commented on like the collegiate atmosphere uh in detroit and that's something i'm grateful for but i'm also i try to be aware of how that's not going to last right yeah the, right. the pressures of the NBA being a business, the pressures of, you know, contract pressures, uh, sponsored or like uh, shoe deal pressures, just like we haven't won yet. I think about uh, I think about how like jovial the atmosphere must have been in Utah like three years ago. Yeah. And now it's just like done, gone. That's true. Right. And so I always try to just be cognizant of the fact that, like the, the the sun does not shine forever, but they're the but they're definitely like trying to enjoy it now. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's the tension, the joy of coming to work and you enjoy being around the people. And also like, it's extremely frustrating. Like that's why I wanted that anecdote about Jalen, you know, making that rookie turnover in practice and getting chewed out by coach and, and just because it's enormously frustrating for everyone involved. Like when potential doesn't, um, doesn't pop or whatever Mm -hmm. the term is and it's just stuck in a ball and you make stupid mistakes like it's it sucks and you will get eaten alive with a balloon pass in the nba and you know casey has been around the block enough times to know like okay i can't i can't go crazy on him like i have to you know 
have to temper my ex, you know, so it, it is very frustrating. It's very hard. And that's why I didn't want to write a cream puff piece like, oh, look at all the excitement. Yay. It's like, no, this is actually like really rough at times. And we don't know. I I loved Jalen Duran's anecdote. Like that would, to me was just a, a great example of how development uh, is nonlinear because like, he's definitely yeah. going to make that mistake again, but you also see the, the village like coming around him to make sure that he hits the, that potential um, that he has. He hasn't gotten as much attention like media wise right. as Jaden Ivy has, but uh, I think he actually like might be more important to the Pistons future than Jaden Ivy is. What, and so because we haven't gotten like the big Jalen Duran profile, right. what, what were your impressions of him? Like, again, he's the youngest player in the NBA and he's right. just, he's just stepping into it. Like what, how did you, what were your impressions of him? I want that profile so badly. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> that was my first thought. I, when I got there, I was like, I need, like this is, I'm going to profile him at some point. I just, I, I, I really think he has so much potential, which is why I said, I think I said something in there. He could be like the biggest steal because, and that's why I wanted that anecdote to be so high in the piece because that is what it's about. He, you cannot, if he comes out and he doesn't average what people want him to, they're going to say, oh, he's this, oh, he's that. But if you were to see these moments in practice, these glimmers and how quickly he learns, you will see how valuable he is and can be. And I just, he's so receptive and he's so like, you should see the way he looks at Richard Lewis when Richard is speaking to him. It's like, it's like a, I mean, coach Casey used the word puppies to describe uh, Kate and Ivy, but Jalen was a little, you know, kind of a puppy too, just He's just in awe of Richard. He's just so in awe of him. And I I just think that humility and, and willingness to listen and to learn and to know that he has a lot to work on is going to separate Jalen. And, you know, he practice had ended and he was just going game speed. You know, he was just really intense on every single thing he was doing. I, I loved his attention to detail. I love how he didn't give Casey any lip like coach called him out and he was like, okay, like, I'll do, you know, I'll do it. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't an excuse. It wasn't a look on his face. He was just like, shoot, I messed up, you know? And I, I, I think that that anecdote shows so much of his character and why I'm pretty high on him. Um, I really think that Troy Weaver's line about him was the most important. He said, like, people talk about Jalen's physical gifts, but nobody gives him credit for how smart he is. And I thought, you know what? That is like a mini thread throughout the piece, right? We talk about they want to be like the bad boys, but actually the bad boys were really smart. They were really intelligent players in terms of defensive rotations and timing blocks and offensive rebounds. And when Troy identified how smart Jalen is, that's when I was like, you know what? I think... We could talk about toughness all we want, but for this group to succeed, they all have to have this very high basketball IQ. And I, I really do think they do have high basketball IQ. And I think that in particular, like I noticed Jalen's and I was really impressed by that. Yeah, that. So I'm so glad to hear you say that as a fan, because the Pistons like just went through the preternatural young big man experience. Right. And that did not go the way that they wanted it to go. Uh, but it seems like this guy is different in a way that I don't want to like denigrate the old guy, but it seems like he necess not necessarily um, that type of player. Uh, 
but so that that is extremely exciting to hear that's extremely uh uh encouraging to hear um and you like from everything i've heard from everything the the beat writers have said like Troy Weaver like really loves Jalen Duran. Yeah. And so uh when you hear when I hear anecdotes like that, that gives me a little bit more insight into like why that might be the case. And like speaking of Troy Weaver, like he like he seems like a cool guy. He doesn't talk a whole whole lot. It's like I and it's a little early to say if he's like a good GM or a bad GM just because right. the the team is so early in the the restoration process. And he's not like as media facing as a guy like Daryl Morey or David Griffin. So does that make him like a good interview or a bad interview? I'm imagining like you just like sitting in his office and he's just like with a stern face and he's just like pulling teeth trying to get anything out of him. So I thought he was an excellent interview and, you know, it wasn't even like office vibes, stern. Like we were just sitting off the side of the court, you know, and he's just in a red sweatshirt and navy pants and you know it kind of reminded me what the owner said to me like you know troy he's not he's different he's at the workouts you know Mm -hmm. like i was just even before i talked to him i was just watching him at half court just with his arms you would think he was the coach you know like he he's just at half court like studying jayla you know and i i just it was so cool talking to him because i know he's like this brilliant basketball mind and i was pretty nervous, you know, because I was just like, what is this going to be like? And um, he's extremely thoughtful with each of his answers, um, professorial in a way, like the way he speaks, the cadence, Um, such a smart guy. And like, um, what I actually really respect about him is that he talks about things like work ethic and wanting to improve and having a growth mindset. And um, like the willingness to want to be to be great and to push yourself as being really important. And sometimes I think in our culture, especially I pay attention to, you know, draft coverage and everything is so physical. It's like, how high can this person jump? How, you know, whatever. What what's their vertical leap? What's their this? And I love that Troy emphasized all these other qualities. And perhaps that's why he's so great at identifying talent is because he recognizes that the intangibles are as important as the physical parts. Um, And look at the best players in the NBA and they, and the guys that I talked to, they all have this work ethic and this hunger and drive and blue collar mentality. And sometimes I think we overemphasize the physical instead of those things. And the GMs that are able to identify those intangibles in players just draft better. Like Steph Curry, like look what he turned into, you know, Dwayne Wade, like some of, some of the most high profile people that were not always, you know, as highly touted at first have these other qualities to them. And I think Troy is really good because he sees those in people. Now, how do you know if somebody has that mentality? That's where it comes from, like boots on the ground, workouts, being well-connected and grassroots. So I actually found his mentality really refreshing instead of just having purely a basketball convo. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me because Troy Weaver himself is a guy who started at the bottom like right. of the of the basketball food chain and that's and important. yeah and and worked his way into his current position right. without the dent of like right i don't want to say like nepotism but like relationships right, right. like he, he ground from nothing 
And so I think he, he knows, you know, I have no idea like what type of hunger or self-motivation it takes to be able to do that. But I do think that makes him better at spotting at it, spotting that type of characteristics in other people. And I also think that's why he's so, he's so focused on it just because he knows how valuable it is. I agree. I thought um, when he was saying to me that he has this unique lens and it's it's different because mm-hmm. his path is different. And that's why I really wanted to include that. I, so I 100% agree with you. I don't know if this quote made the piece, but he said something about like those values came from his parents and it's instilled in the home. And um, he said like your coaches, your parents are your first coaches. And um, that's why I just, I don't really hear GMs often speak like this, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I, I appreciate how down to earth and normal he is, if that is okay to say, you know, like, <laughs> and and Casey's the same way, you know, just talking about how, like, he was the first in his family to go to college. He, you know, watched his grandparents work two jobs. He felt intensely the need to work hard. He witnessed a lot. And I think they both they both have this similar mentality. And so it, it does not shock me that the players on this team, even if they haven't reached their physical potential, they are all mentally similar. That's that really matters, you know? Yeah, they they reflect the the guy who selected them in, exactly. in that way. Yeah, exactly. And it's not lip service. Like I know you and I both read a lot and people say, I love I'm a blue. He's a blue collar guy. He's this mm-hmm. he's, like. Well, but but usually that's like one guy on the team, right? right? Not not the whole team. Exactly, exactly. It felt very genuine to me. Yeah, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good BS meter. I'm used to sports cliches. We just got to step it up. We got to play hard. We got to be who we are. And the genuineness of this group was just honestly really refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I I do wonder. it's like as as you get better, as you get more uh, media pressure on you, mm-hmm. you will see guys kind of just revert to those tropes just because mm-hmm. it's easier than um, than the introspection. And so I I hope we continue to get that as they improve because uh, it it I would really suck if we just like lost some of their personality if, as they got good. I will say. The reason why we get such great glimmers into their personality and their introspection is because the reporters in Detroit are so good. Like, Aww. no, seriously, like I, I told James, like, I am a big, big fan, but you know. Oh no, you shouldn't have done that. His ego is going to be so big. No, I am a big fan, but I'm just saying like all the Vinny, like the people in Detroit, you get such great glimmers into the personality of the team because you have really good reporters, right? Like that, that I, it is not, you don't just get those answers from players from a stale press interview. You get it because there's really good people on the ground and really good reporters like that. Those guys get good stuff because they, they get to watch a team grow and change and struggle. And they they sort they've watched this whole process. So I just, yeah, they're they're really good. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. We we have been really fortunate with good reporting of bad teams over the <laughs> last like fifteen years of Pistons basketball. Uh, it's like that that has always been a strength of uh of the uh, of the various papers in the city. Yeah, That's but cool. so now you so you've seen the Pistons up close but like from an outside non-detroit perspective right so like in your opinion like how far away 
are they from greatness? How far away are they from that playoff consistency that I think that they want to build? Like if we're talking about, you know, there's team, they're one of the younger teams in the the NBA with a bright future. Like how far away is that bright future? Um, (laughs) I think we're one to two years away. Realistically. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I never make predictions because, you know, who the frick knows what can happen. And I am, you know, people that make predictions and takes, it's like, you have no idea. And maybe they make the playoffs this year. That would be really, really cool. I don't know. I just think that they're going to be better than last year and they have better people and it's interesting and they, they could make noise and do it's, I guess I'd like to reframe it like, you know, the the Jalen anecdote we've been talking about and how it's a sort of crystallization of these glimmers of growth. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot of those this year, a lot of glimmers of growth and teachable moments. And we saw a couple last year for sure, but you can see a lot more this year. Does that translate to playoff success and all this stuff? I I don't know. I just don't know. What if Cade gets, what if, what if something happens tomorrow? I don't, I don't know. Right. Right. So I have no idea, but I think you're just going to see more and more and more glimmers of growth and it will speed up when it's ready to speed up. No, absolutely. So are, is there anything that I was supposed to ask you that I forgot to, was there anything that you were surprised that like we haven't gotten to so far? You are an excellent interviewer. Um, so you know, I, I'm blanking right now because that was like such a well thought of and well prepared interview. So I'm like really grateful for your time. Um, let me think. Oh, t- them singing Temptations, my girl. Like I that I'm sorry, that is tied for my second favorite anecdote in the piece. Um, love that. Love that so much. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's it. <laughs> that's that's definitely like collegiate, right? That's definitely like a midnight madness thing. Like make right. all the dudes like go sing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish they would release the footage. They had a tweet of the guys I like singing, know. and then they deleted it. And so it's like, I okay, know. like it's gonna come in like a one of their YouTube videos or something. But we, we haven't seen funny. it. Like, give it to me. Like, I want it. So funny. Yeah. So funny. So wait, you so you were with them like on the trip through? The, I wasn't the city. on the trip. Okay. I had, okay. I had videos to uh, sent to me. Um, Got you. Gotcha. Yeah, but every I didn't know about the trip till I got there, and everybody's bringing up the trip. And then when I asked Troy Weaver about it, he said that was his baby, and I was like, I didn't know it was that important. You know, I didn't know. And then I think the trip kind of crystallized it for me, you know, because when you're a writer, you go in, you think you know what you're coming into, you think you sort of have ballpark. What is this about? But it doesn't really click until someone says something. And I think when a GM tells you a tour of the city is his baby. And Jalen makes a turnover and Coach Casey is like joy is spilling out of him as he's explaining why this moment matters so much to him. I get it. At that Mm -hmm. point, I get it. I get what this is about. I get what's happening here. Don't know the results, but I get what's happening. And I think those two things like really pulled it together for me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners will really, really appreciate it. Um, if you have anything you want to plug, I know you have, again, a New York Times bestselling book people might be interested in reading. Uh, if there's anything you'd like to say to the audience before we uh, we head out, now's the time. 
Well, I'd love it if people could read my book on Giannis. That would really just mean the world. Uh, I spent so much time on that and it just came out in paperback and there's a new chapter. Um, so I'd love if people could get that and support local bookstores for sure. Um, I spent so much time on my website. Like, please be somebody other than my mom who looks at it. It's it's mirrenfader.com. Uh <laughs> Please, please look at that thing. Um, that's it. That that's all I got for you. But um, thank you so much for having me. No, no. Again, thank you, thank you so much for coming. Um, I know no one cares at this point, but I am Lazarus Jackson. This has been the Detroit <laughs> Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you all uh, soon. Maybe not next week. Maybe sooner than that. This is obviously a very special thing. All right, talk to you guys later. <laughs>